as David is about to die, it really is this time of political uncertainty. This transition is about to uh, reveal uh, the, the instability that's really underlying the political system there. David has, uh, I think the scripture says that he ruled uh, for seven years in Hebron and then 33 uh, in Jerusalem. So he has been ruling for 40 years. So his time uh, as king is coming to an end. And the Bible says David is about to die. So uh, that's kind of where we find ourselves by the time we get to 1 Kings uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, we find David just before he is about to die. The interesting thing I think here is uh, that that before we talk about the ascent of Solomon, we talk about the death of David. So Solomon's ascent to the throne is preceded by his father David's death. But my, 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 how uh, how relevant is the Bible today? Like we are looking at the transition of power from David to his son a few thousand years ago, yet we can relate to some of this even today. And we can relate to it because this time of political transition has brought conflict to the forefront. And so we see that there is really a battle for power. There is one of David's sons, Adonijah, and Adonijah uh, is 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 technically uh, more in line uh, well, well he precedes the i should say right so to speak of of Solomon because he's older than Solomon so so Adonijah would uh, on on laws of succession be the one above Solomon who who could sit on David's throne but uh, there there's another side to the story God said that it would be Solomon. David confirmed that it would be Solomon. Uh, but there's Adonijah. Before David dies, Adonijah is preparing to make himself the king. So he gets together with uh, a priest and uh, another person and, and says, let's have a celebration and really have my coronation. I'm going to be king. So he calls together all these people and um, all the royal family, except for Solomon and Bathsheba. Uh, and, and he has this big gathering. They sacrifice all these animals. Uh, they, they are having a great time. And Adonijah is uh, going to essentially make himself king. Well, David, because he's old uh, and, and doesn't really realize everything that's going on in the kingdom now, uh, didn't realize that that was happening. And so Bathsheba goes to David and says, you promised me and you promised Israel that Solomon would be the one who sits on your throne after you die. But look, Adonijah is out there and he has now made himself king. Uh, then the prophet Nathan comes in and they had, they had spoken beforehand saying how they were going to let it play out. Uh, Nathan comes into David and says, hey, uh, King Adonijah is making himself king somewhere else. And you said it was going to be Solomon. And I know you wouldn't do this without having uh, shared that first with me. Uh, and so uh, David David now understands what's going on. Uh, and then he, he puts some things in motion to make sure 
that it's clear that Solomon is the one to be anointed king. So Solomon gets on uh, David's mule and they um, he's anointed um, with oil. And um, then the people realize, okay, yes, this is the king. Uh, so David dies, uh, Solomon is king. And, and again, we see this tension between the older brother Adonijah and Solomon. So isn't it interesting how even way back then and now that there is conflict in the family, conflict in the nation over the political uncertainty? There's conflict. And, you know, David, of course, has a huge family because he has so many wives, so many concubines, so many children. You have family members conspiring. You have non-family members conspiring. You have military people conspiring. Uh, you have uh, the different mothers of the different sons conspiring. All this is going on because there is this transition of power. I wanted to take just a moment tonight and talk a little bit about uh, what what is really the elephant in the room in a lot of church communities, uh, and and that elephant in the room is our current political situation in America, right? I, now, don't get me wrong; we're not, we're not going to going to going to harp on this too much. Uh, we don't want to cause division, but I think there is something important that we uh, as followers of Christ, uh, need to do tonight, uh, and and so we'll do that in just a little bit. But uh, this this story about the transition of power, I think, raises uh, a relevant question for all of us right now, which is, in our current political climate, uh, let's say current, I, I really mean um, over the past few years into where we are now. So we understand that that there, there has been tension politically, uh, not just in the, in the nation as a whole, but within the church, right? So many differing opinions on what's legitimate, what's not legitimate, what happened, what didn't happen, who's telling the truth, who's lying, what would Jesus want, what would God do? Like, all of these things have absolutely affected the body of Christ in America. It just has. And this is why the Bible is so important to read, because it speaks to us even now. This situation with David's children can speak to us even now in our current political climate as believers in Jesus Christ. I'm not looking to get into um, too much of of political discourse here, it's not what I'm trying to do. But I do want to open up the floor as we consider where we are uh, politically in the context of being believers. I want us to reflect for a moment, if we can, and ask yourself, is there anyone that you have fallen out of unity with in terms of fellowship as a believer? Uh, or in terms of fellowship uh, in in your family because of political disagreement over the past two years? Uh, you know, when I, when I was still under my father's roof and I, when I just came to this nation, 
my father and my, my mother essentially would teach me that uh, the Democratic Party is the most virtuous and loving people, that they want people to come into this nation and that they are very welcoming. Often admitting how they expected, how they wanted people to come into this country. What means did they, did they allow people to come into this country? And that was the basis of my family's love for the Democratic Party. Now, when I left and I went out into the world to live life on my own and I began, I would say this very carefully, when I began to dig deeper in the word of God, and I began to understand certain principles about God's word. My view began to change drastically. And so I began to lean more conservative. But then as I began to lean more conservative, I realized that, you know, there are imperfections there too. But it, went, it came to a point where my, my father, my, my younger brother, my two younger brothers came at home. And we, we, we had a conversation, extremely heated conversation. Needless to say that the drinking didn't help because I trying to please my father because I know he loves quality drink. I bought my father a Johnny Walker double black. I'll never forget that evening. And he was enjoying himself. Oh, my goodness. But I believe the drinks got to him a bit. And because they knew that before they came, I had started leaning uh, conservative. The conversation got so heated that my father told me that I hated my own people because I, I, I was more conservative leaning. My younger brother sided with him. And that day I never felt lonely. Because, you know, I've always looked at my father as being my hero. And uh, a lot of the things, he's still my hero. I, that hasn't changed. Um, but just to hear those very piercing words come from my father, because I, I now had a different belief that was biblically rooted. Um, because when I think of conservatism, I think of God being unchanging. Values that do not change because over time they have been tested to work. That's how I think of conservatism. So if it doesn't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So uh, that conversation got so heated. My father told me uh, that I, I, I hate my people and, 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 and that I'm unloving to my people that I, I, I was so hurt that day. I found myself in the midst of my brother, everyone turned against me and I just cried and I was like, oh my goodness, is this what your family can really do to you because of one uh, supposedly polarizing figure they call Trump? Well, after taking my time to really look into things very carefully, I began to take this approach. I must be team Jesus because at the end of the day, both parties have faults. One is more leaning towards Christian conservative values, but the other is more liberal. That means anything goes, and I find a problem with that. Jesus wasn't anything goes. Jesus was righteousness. Amen. And so when I looked at things like that, I said, well, I'm going to stay on team Jesus because there is no telling who will turn against Jesus. And I don't want to put my hope in one of either party because at the end of the day, the whole system is set to either or. 
And that is divisive to me to, to begin with. The very foundation of uh, two-party systems is divisive. It's either you're with me or you're against me. And that principle we see Jesus use in the Bible is if you're not with me, then you scatter or you're against me. You see, so I began to realize that that principle is being used among parties to divide us. But I believe that the most unifying figure is Jesus Christ if we all point to his word and his righteousness. So, uh, you know, just to say that, 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 that opened my eyes a lot. And so when I listen to people speak, I always look at them through the lenses of scripture. Is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? It doesn't matter who it comes from. If it is not scriptural, I'll drop you like a hot potato. Amen. <laughs> um, and I, I hear you when, when you say, you know, your friend was like, you, you, you hate your people. Um, there, there are so many different ways of looking at so many different issues. Th there is a way at times, I think, if it comes to a particular issue, there was this thing for a while people would say, you know, what would Jesus do, right? You know, you, you, you answer what you do based on that. And obviously we do because we're followers of Jesus. So, you know, you said Jesus wasn't anything goes. Obviously he wasn't anything goes. But I doubt if the conservatives of his day would have thought he was conservative. He was revolutionary. You know, he, he wasn't, he would have been considered liberal by the conservative establishment, right? So like, sometimes we define things using these terms that, that aren't really helpful in, in terms of our, our faith, so to speak. I think the point tonight that I really wanted to drive home is that regardless of those differing opinions, if we have allowed politics to divide us as people in the body of Christ, or if we ourselves have used politics to judge our brother or sister in a certain way, just allowed disunity to not just be birthed, but to metastasize and affect our relationship as brothers and sisters of Christ in Christ first, then I wanted tonight to take a moment to do two things. I wanted us, as we consider this discussion, to think about, are we in a place where we need to repent in this area. Is there something we need to individually repent of in terms of holding something against our brother or sister uh, because of a political view, because of a political stance? Is there anything in any of us tonight that we need to bring before the Lord and repent of in that way? And then secondly, has someone offended us in some way, hurt us in some way, that tonight we need to forgive them for that? That maybe we've been holding on to something for a while that we actually now need to forgive for. So Terrence, since you were the one who um, so, so uh, boldly shared with us that experience, I'm going to ask you before we transition to our next 
uh, area tonight. Um, I'm going to ask you if you would pray. Amen. Let us pray, brothers and sisters in Christ. Most precious and ever living Father, our King and our Lord. Father, you are our commander in chief. And Father, we listen to you and you alone. Father, even though at times, Lord, we resort to the flesh and we seek to do our own way and pursue our own will. Father God, we know that we all have not made it there yet. And Lord, as we continue to seek your kingdom and its righteousness, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to reveal to us your truth and that our response, Abba Father, is it will be obedience. And Father, we come today because such a sensitive topic has been brought by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Father, we know that these things, oh God, <clears throat> these particular political topics are divisive. And Father God, we know that you are not a God who divides to conquer because you said, can a kingdom divided against itself stand? And yet, Father, we see our enemy, the devil, divide each and every one of us with topics such as this, the political realm where people are extremely sensitive to their particular value systems. Oftentimes, those value systems are not rooted in your word. But Father God, that's why we pray because you said, Abba Father, that we should put on the mind of Jesus Christ. And it is the mind of Jesus Christ, his word, his thoughts, his behavior, his actions. It is those things that unite us. Because then, Father God, we would be in a place where we we'll seek his purposes, his plans for our lives. And Lord God, we want to come before you, Lord God, admitting, Father, that we have not always done that faithfully. Seeking on the will of our God. For oftentimes we pray that let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, we sometimes fail to seek that will, knowing fully, Lord, that that will is perfect. It's holy. It's meant to save the people who are perishing. And Father, we know that you have called us to be vessels on this earth, to go about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet we divide ourselves by siding with different political spectrums. Meanwhile, Abba Father, we ought to be on your side, O Lord Jesus. For you said in your word that a soldier who is, who is in your kingdom does not concern his things of the affairs of this world, but keeps his mind and his side and the things of the kingdom. Father God, I pray that we will return, return, O God, to your very holy purposes and your plans for all creation. And Lord God, we cannot do that if we constantly bickle and, and argue about earthly things that are meant to perish. Father God, may we be reminded, Lord God, that you're going to give us a new heaven and a new earth and that your children will dwell in it. Those who have served you diligently and faithfully and those who have not compromised. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would cause us to be strong and be able to discern the plans of our enemy. For you have asked us to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. So Abba Father, I pray, Lord God, that not only should we know those devices, but fight against them, expose the unfruitful works of darkness, Abba Father, in our generation. So Father God, we come to you today and ask that you would forgive us, O oh Lord, for all those times when we have taken our eyes away from the main thing and fixed them on the perishable. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive us, Lord, if we have found offense in each other by engaging in such unfruitful conversations. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. 
And Lord, I pray, Lord God, also that you would put in our hearts a heart for forgiveness, oh Lord, for anyone who may have hurt us or said evil things towards us or spoken against our intent. Even though sometimes, Lord God, we, we come with, with, with good motives and good intents, but oftentimes, Lord God, we don't always present them in a way that is pleasing before you. And that is a zeal that is not of you, our Father. But Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would cause us to have a zeal that is holy and perfect, a zeal that is of your word, a passion for the lost souls, that we will keep our hearts and our minds focused on the eternal things, as you have commanded us to do, to fix our eyes on the things that are above, but not the things that are below, Abba Father. So Father, I thank you this day. And I pray, Lord God, that we will not be deceived again by the works of darkness, Abba Father, but that we will continue to remain in your marvelous light, the light of the kingdom of God, Jesus, who is the light of the world. Oh, Father, I thank you, Abba Father. Oh, Lord, help us in this, especially in these dark days, where I know that there are times where people may look at maybe Trump to think he's going to save the world or save America, to look at Biden or look at any other political figure and think that they're going to bring things back in order. But Father God, if you do not do the work, then the worker works in vain. So Abba Father, I pray that the saints of this world will keep their eyes fixed on you, to seek after you, to pursue you, to desire your will, O oh God, so that this nation, O oh Lord, will walk righteously before you. And Father God, that even the leaders, as they see the work of the Holy Spirit manifest through the saints, they will turn back to you and lead this nation according to your will, your purposes, and your plans. And all these things we pray in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Terrence. Thank you. So, wow. We, um, I, I think we have everyone's attention tonight. And so uh, th thanks for, for, for jumping in Terrence and for sharing, and then also for, for praying. So we see that Solomon, we're going to make a transition now. So remember we said, we're going to talk first about the ascent of Solomon, uh, and then we're going to uh, move into our next area of asking for wisdom. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk about specific factor that goes into answered prayer. Uh, so Solomon is established as king, uh, and uh, his, his first order of business really is to build that temple. David uh, had in his heart to build the temple, uh, but God uh, said that, no, there there are, there are good reasons I have, David, for not letting you build my temple. Uh, that, that will be left to Solomon. So Solomon builds the temple uh, and builds the royal palace, is, is prosperous, uh, and there's peace throughout Israel. Uh, just a, an, an amazing time of prosperity and peace uh, for uh, the people of God. And so uh, Solomon proceeds to build the temple and the royal palace. And uh, as, as he is going to shortly thereafter dedicate uh, the, the temple that's been built, God comes to Solomon and asks him a question and says, what do you want? What do you want? Solomon answers in, in such a way that is obviously for our benefit because it's, it's part of the word of God. Uh, Solomon says, look, you have fulfilled your promise to my father, David. You have established his son, me, on, on his throne, uh, and uh, you have blessed me. Uh, you've kept our enemies away. 
you have given me all of these people to rule over. And so he says simply, give me wisdom, give me discernment to know how to judge and rule these people of yours. Wow. God is, is impressed by that answer uh, and says, okay, I'm giving you wisdom. Not only that, I'm going to give you these other things too that you could have asked for, uh, wealth and uh, all that other kind of stuff. I'm going to give you that too. Uh, and so, so Solomon prospers in an amazing way, uh, but he asked first for wisdom. We then get that story where, you know, the, the two uh, women both have babies and uh, the one baby dies, um, but then the, the other one says, well, uh, while I was sleeping, the one whose child died came in and took my child um, and now is saying that's hers and saying the dead one's mine. Um, and so they both come before Solomon uh, and Solomon says, okay, bring me the living baby and let's bring me a sword and we'll, we'll cut the baby uh, in half and give a piece to one and to the other. And of course, during, during that, uh, he, he discerns that the true mother is the one who doesn't want to see uh, the baby um, split with the sword. That's what we see as his first exercise of the wisdom that God had given him. Uh, and so um, tonight, I wanted to talk about this wisdom piece, how Solomon simply asking God for wisdom was all that God um, required to say yes. God said yes. The Bible says that then people from all over the world came to hear Solomon speak the words of wisdom that he had. People from all over the known world came to him. And when they would come, they would leave him gifts and uh, leave him tribute. Well, they just wanted to know what was going to come next off of this man's tongue, um, what was in his mind as he spoke with such wisdom. So tonight, uh, I wanted us to, to consider that wisdom piece and realize that we too can ask for wisdom. Okay? Maybe this is not anything profound or, or earth-shattering tonight, uh, but, but it is practical. And I'm sure that several of us tonight have different decisions in our lives that we're facing, trying to figure out, should we go left or right or straight, or should we be still? What should we do in a certain situation? I'm, I'm confident of that tonight, that there's, there, there are people facing those decisions um, for themselves or um, for their children or for their family, uh, for business, um, for, for many different things that life brings. And so James 1 and 5 says, God gives wisdom to those who ask him. So does any of us tonight in this group desire wisdom in a certain situation? And if you do, then we're going to pray about that too. We are going to ask God tonight for wisdom. The more I've been spending time um, with the Lord um, and those days when 
you know, I've, I've come to know God for who he is. I, I, I begin to realize that there is a pattern. Um, um, when, when God blesses you, it, it's truly to bless others. It's truly for the sake of others. It's never really for you. And when I, when I remember uh, Solomon's account, and he was really concerned about God's people, how he was going to lead God's people. And uh, God saw that love for his people. And because of his people, he gave Solomon the wisdom. And I believe that firmly that whenever we ask something from God, if it's truly to serve his people, he'll give it to you. So as a husband with a wife and children, I, I ask that God gives me the wisdom to raise my family well. And that as I am faithful with my family, as Bible says, who is faithful with little will be trusted with more. I want to be faithful with my family so that as I grow into ministry, whomever is brought on my path, I will be faithful with them too because God would have built that, 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 that behavior, that character trait in me, one who is faithful in everything that God gives them. So my prayer for wisdom is not for myself. It's essentially for others to the glory of God Almighty. I, I have come to understand that if, if I truly want to have something from God, uh, let me have the heart for his people, a, a true heart for his people, and that there should be no selfishness in it. Because Jesus was selfless in all, his, all of his ways. And he came uh, 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 serving God selflessly. And so uh, I believe that's the safest place to be in regards to asking for wisdom from God. Amen. Amen. Anyone else have a have a, a wisdom prayer request tonight? But I believe that it is necessary that we all ask for God's wisdom. The forces and the grips of darkness is intensified. And one of the greatest things that it uses is deception. So we must every day seek God for the wisdom to know the difference between what is the truth of God and what is the distorted reality that the enemy wants to bring forth. And the wisdom to understand is that Satan knows the scripture. And we know that in Luke chapter when Jesus was in the wilderness, everything he challenged them with was scripturally based. So if we do not know the scripture and the wisdom of the word of God, it is easy. And I believe why many Christians are deceived. You know, uh, as you brought up earlier, um, you know, right, wrong, indifferent. Well, there is a right and the right is God. And therefore, we must know what that is so that we can fully follow him. And that's not based on emotions. It's not based on sentiment. It's not based on popular opinion. It's not based on what you think, what I think. It's based on what the word of God says. And he is the author of his word. And when we seek him, he will give us the wisdom to be able to understand. I haven't had any political battles with anyone, but I do know that most of my family and friends know where I stand. And so as a result of that, you know, they may not necessarily invite me to a, but I'm not offended by that. I'm okay with that because they know where I stand and I'm not going to not stand where I stand so I can fit in. I'm good with that. 
So it's seeking God's wisdom, but it's not because I think, well, I'm better and all that. You know, I was a command sergeant major in the army. So I've stood before generals and all of that stuff. And it is the wisdom of God. But I believe that that day-to-day things require more wisdom than I was standing before those people that the world would consider uh, great and of high esteem. Along with the wisdom, I think we use the truth, the truth of God and the truth of his word to, to fight that deception. I don't really... I don't get into political conversations much. I don't think there's anybody in my family who would agree with my stance. I, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the only believer in my family. But and we, my husband and I were just talking about this, uh, and it's, it was a, it was a little bit ago, but it was when the when the elections were going in. I was with family who live very uh, ungodly lifestyles and. Uh, I was completely outnumbered. And I remember very distinctly, we were sitting around the kitchen table and I was kind of a little bit further back and they were kind of on a rant, uh, you know, with all the things that they, they were saying against, uh, against uh, godly, you know, stances and, and that sort of thing. And, and they, I could just sense, I could just feel it that they were trying to lure me into an argument. It was, it was kind of getting that way. And so they asked me, you know, well, what, what do you think? And I just, I thank the God for wisdom. But I, what I said to them was, what I know is that anyone who holds this position, who, who's going to be elected, it's my job that I, to pray for them, whoever is elected. And it was the one thing that it was, and that, that came from God, just like Chantel says, that when those things happen, I give God the glory because I, I know who I have been in the past. And I would have, you know, I would have gone on and, and probably gotten pulled into an argument and, and that sort of thing. But when I said that, they all just kind of looked and they were like, yeah, that's, that's really true. And none of them are prayers, <laughs> but uh, it, it was just a, it was just wisdom from God to, to change that, the whole atmosphere there. So that was a, a really great moment when God granted me wisdom that I didn't deserve or ask for. <laughs> hey, hey, Deb, thanks for, for sharing that because, um, and, and Celia too, with what you said, um, I, I think we're, we're expanding a little bit now on this, on this specific prayer. Um, but when we look at uh, this, the, the text from tonight, we see that, you know, when Solomon was asking for wisdom, he essentially was asking um, for for the ability to discern truth. And so that's that's a part of wisdom. Uh, and then Deb, what you said is a very wise response in, the, in terms of this political discourse, which is our responsibility as believers is to pray for whoever is in authority. Let's, let's add um, tonight praying for those who are in authority. Um, and as we do that, regardless of our of our, our political stance or bent or um, what our next vote's going to be, but to be obedient to God's word, to pray for all those in authority. Can I just add one other thing to that? In understanding that God is the one who raises up the rulers. He does. And he is the one that puts them in the office. So regardless He's using them according to his master plan of what he's doing. God didn't wake up and -and so-and-so was in the office. He is the one. So what do we do? I think part of that wisdom is 
praying and asking God, show me from your perspective what you're doing. This is not because someone uh, stole some boats and they did this and that. This is not the God we serve. My God is not handcuffed. He's not sitting there trying to figure out, oh my goodness, what is going on? This no. When you look at, you know, the kings, Saul had a purpose, David had a purpose, and everyone that followed, whether they were in Israel or Judah, good king according to us, or a bad king, but God is the one that allowed them to be in purpose, and it's all, all of it was working towards God's plan he is the same God. He didn't stop being God because it's a Republican, it's a Democrat. The discernment comes in. God, help me to discern what you are doing and how do I pray into that in agreement with you? Because oftentimes as intercessors, we're praying against what God is doing instead of understanding what God is doing. God used some some. some definite things. He said, my servant Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was not a Christian. He was not a Jew, but God said, my servant. He used that same title when he talked about David, when he talked about uh, Cyrus, when he talked about those that he was using. They were his servants for what he was doing. We must Pray for the discernment to see the big picture of what God is doing. That's the wisdom we need. And when we can have that kind of wisdom from God, then it doesn't get into, well, you're this and I'm that and all of that. Now, I am a Christian who happens to be, but not I am this and then I'm a Christian. No, God, what are you doing? We must pray into God, give us the wisdom to see what you're doing. Just wanted to add that. I'm done. <laughs> you're, you're also giving us a really good segue uh, into our next topic. You don't know it yet, but you are. Um, and so I, we, we, appreciate, we appreciate that, that perspective and point as well. Uh, so Connie, why don't you pray for us for a little bit, and then um, we will move forward. Amen. Absolutely. Oh, my God, my Father, Lord God, we come thanking you first and foremost, Lord God, for your wisdom. Lord God, we ask and we pray for wisdom daily, Lord God. As we see things that are darkening around us, the world is getting louder. People are saying things, Lord God. Lord God, and we need your wisdom and discernment and understanding of what is going on and what your plan is. And how do we follow you and be directed by you through the Holy Spirit? Lord God, we just thank you for we know all things are in your control. All things are working together for, for our good, for those who believe in you. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We may not be able to see it now, but give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what is going on and how, again, to follow you, be directed by you. How do we speak to a darkening, loud world with wisdom and love and concern and compassion? We need that wisdom to speak, Lord God, to speak to those who don't know you, to speak to those who do know you, 
but with a clear, wise understanding of who you are. You are all knowing, all present, a sovereign God who loves and shows kindness and compassion and honor to all those, Lord God. Lord God, you said that you did not want to see any of us, Lord God, not be saved. Lord God, and you, you know who will come and who will not. But continue to bless us, Lord, and give us the wisdom and knowledge of you in all situations, in all things. Whether we see it on the political realm, that we pray for those who are in, uh, are in authority, that you give them wisdom and knowledge, Lord God. We may not agree. We may disagree. But God, we're following your command to love and to pray for our leaders. And we thank you, God. We thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Connie. Um, and before we, we, we make our transition to uh, the last area tonight that I wanted to cover, on the wisdom piece, uh, I guess I probably should have started with this, but it's also a good place to, to end it. Uh, the Bible says, First uh, Corinthians um, one, um, I think one twenty four, that Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. So when we when we need wisdom, we need Jesus. We need more of Him as we draw closer to Him, and we uh, reach out for Him. He is the source of wisdom for all that we need. It really comes back to Jesus. So, wow, we, we definitely shouldn't have, have uh, had that discussion uh, much longer without talking about him. He is the wisdom of God. He makes me smile when I, when I just say his name, Jesus. Hallelujah and amen. So uh, we've talked about the ascent of Solomon. Uh, we then uh, now have, have talked about uh, this piece of asking for wisdom. And then the last thing I want to talk about tonight uh, would be under the the, the title um, Answer to Prayer uh, or Answered Prayer. When we we look at this uh, text and, and we look at it in Second uh, Chronicles as opposed to First Kings, we eventually get to uh, that awesome verse in Second Chronicles 7, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, uh, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Um, I remember when uh, the pandemic started and we uh, started praying online as, as, a, as a church, we started lifting Psalm 91, of course. And really, I remember the first message I gave in in March of 2020, uh, when we had to leave the church and, and could only be online, um, I I remember I used that text, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. When we look at the biblical text, we realize that that verse is really an answer 
to a prayer that Solomon prayed. As he's dedicating the temple, he then lifts his hands in front of all the people and begins to pray to God, setting forth all these different scenarios in which the people um, would need God. And he asks God to hear them in those situations in the future. So God comes to him again at night uh, and, and says to Solomon, I heard the prayer that you made. I heard the prayer that you gave at the dedication. And I'm saying, this is my answer. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So there, there are a few um, conditions there, right? If that, that suggests a, a conditional um, response, conditional um, action, I should say, based on what, what we as the people of God do. But tonight I wanted to talk specifically about one of those things. And it's the very first thing uh, that that seven second chronicles seven fourteen says, uh, which is humbling ourselves, humbling ourselves. What does that mean to humble ourselves? Well, the short answer is that biblically, to humble oneself really means to engage in fasting. There are are ways that um, we can do things which suggest humility on our part. But biblically, uh, that phrase really means to fast. Uh, I wanna give you um, an overview in just a little bit on uh, some of the benefits of fasting. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, too much scripture to really cover all of it, but I'll give you some references. Um, so we're headed to this place where we understand benefits of fasting, but we're using it in the context of God answering Solomon's prayer that he gave at the dedication of the temple and God saying, if my people do this, then here's what I'll do. So to humble oneself is really to fast. That definition of fasting is, you know, uh, essentially abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Um, different types of fasting, you know, sometimes people will just fast from meat. Sometimes people will fast from all food. Some people will fast from food and water. Uh, but generally speaking, fasting uh, seems to be uh, abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And uh, most of the time, people still are drinking water. There are times where they're not. Um, but most of the time, they're, they're at least drinking water while they're fasting. Now, we know that um, Jesus, Moses, uh, some people went a very long time without food or water. Um, but generally speaking, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. What is it, though, about that act that makes it such that we're humbling ourselves, that word humble. The opposite of humble, of course, is pride, right? So, so God is saying, I want you in a posture of humility. And one of the ways you humble yourself is by 
engaging in this discipline of fasting. David, he says, I humbled my soul with fasting, right? He understands what that means. I humbled my soul with fasting. And so then that raises the question of, well, what is it about the soul that needs humbling? So without getting into too much metaphysical stuff tonight, um, we, we are a tripartite being, right? Body, spirit, soul, or spirit, soul, body, however, whatever, whatever order you want to put it in. Our soul is that place that houses our mind, our will, our emotion. Our mind, our will, our emotion. It's that place that, that holds our ego, right? Everything that's about self, that's about me, that's about I, that's, that's our soul. That's, that's, that's soulish, the focus on I. So to humble oneself is to take that focus off of I and redirect that focus and attention towards him, towards God. So mind, um, I think, will, I want, emotion, I feel, those things, when we're fasting, it kind of gets flipped. And it's no longer our will, our mind, our emotion, but what is God's emotion on this issue? What is God's will? What is God's mindset? Something about that discipline of fasting that takes us from focusing on self to focusing on him. So in this scripture, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, that first piece of humbling oneself biblically really is about fasting. And so tonight, I think that, um, and I needed to be reminded of this, I think it's important uh, for someone among us to... Um, to remember that, look, you, you are at a place where maybe you are seeking wisdom on a very important decision. Um, maybe you are, um, are, are uh, trying to understand the will for your life. Maybe you're trying to understand, um, you know, how you get from where you are to where you believe God wants to take you. Maybe you're trying to understand what, what is God up to. These, these questions are very answerable from God, obviously. And sometimes the key to getting that breakthrough in any of those areas or more is, are we going to also commit to fasting before the Lord, where we humble ourselves and truly seek him, where we put ourself aside and really go after his mind and his will. So there, there are many different um, fasts that we see uh, in the Bible, uh, but, but I wanted to just talk briefly, uh, give you an overview, uh, the benefits of fasting. We, we can see that um, from Acts chapter 13, that fasting helps reveal God's individual plan for our lives. Saul and Barnabas were part of that group in Acts 13, and it says that as they fasted and prayed, the Holy Spirit said, separate for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I've called them to. There's something about fasting that can help us understand the revelation that God has for our individual lives. Secondly, fasting can help reveal God's overall plan. Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10 
we see that Daniel had been on this fast for, for 21 days. Uh, and, and, and God then sends an angel to give him understanding about God's overall plan for the end of time. So fasting has this uh, ability as we pray, it can kind of unlock some of that mystery of what God's overall plan is. So here we are, Sylvia was just talking about, you know, us going after and understanding what is God up to? Like, what is he saying about um, what he wants in this situation? One of the ways we get to the counsel and an understanding of, of what God is up to is by adding the discipline of fasting to our prayers. Thirdly, um, fasting can help prepare us for our purpose. We see in Luke chapter four, when Jesus, before he does his public ministry, he engages in this 40 day, 40 night fasting. It's preparing him for his purpose. Also, we can see from Daniel chapter 10 that uh, fasting helps us overcome the enemy's attempts to thwart our purpose. And then finally, in Esther chapter four, we can see that fasting helps us ultimately fulfill the purpose that God gives us. So, so I just wanted to raise that uh, as an overall point tonight, that that maybe in our prayer lives where we are, uh, that that perhaps we need to, in order to get that breakthrough, in order to get that confirmation, in order to get um, what we really need to know from from the Lord, perhaps we need to add that discipline of fasting and couple it into our prayer life. I think for myself, when I when I reflect back uh, on some pretty critical moments uh, in my life, before I took the next step, I fasted and prayed. And when I thought about the ministry that God gave me and just the change of, of life that he gave me, every critical step that I've taken has involved a period of fasting. Sometimes it can be a day, might be three days, might have been a week. Sometimes it was a week and a half, and a couple of times it's been 21 days. But the point simply is, if you're at a critical juncture of life, or there's something major going on that you need God to move, then let's be reminded that he gives us one of those keys here in his word tonight. Perhaps you need to fast as you pray. So that's really more, uh, for lack of a better phrase, and ironically, food for thought, um, fasting food for thought. Um, so as, as we leave tonight, seek the Lord, whether he's calling you to a fast, perhaps he wants to get you to that, that posture where you're truly humble before him. And as we know the Bible says that he sees the proud from afar, but he's near to the humble and contrite in spirit. As we're closer to him, we hear his voice more clearly. And maybe that answer is more of a whisper. It's not the earthquake. It's not the whirlwind. It's the still small voice. So maybe to get to that place where we hear that still small voice, we need to fast for, for, for a moment and pray as you seek his face. There's the other piece of repentance and turning from our wicked ways. That's part of it too. Uh, but let's be reminded of the importance of fasting and how the Lord can use that to help answer our prayers.
Amen. What you're bringing up here on fasting is so important for us. Um, I also think that the topic of fasting, um, that there has been a lot of confusion out there on fasting. You know, a lot of people don't really understand what does it mean to fast? And, you know, there's all kinds of different fasting voices out there. Some people will say, well, fast from coffee, fast from technology, fast from this, whatever, whatever you feel led to fast from. But I really do think it is important that we actually, just like you said, seek the Lord and ask him, you know, what he wants us to abstain from. I believe that it's something we see in scripture where it should cause us some fleshly discomfort. It should be uncomfortable for us, not just that I'm not on Facebook. You know, um, that's not really that big of a deal, is it? I mean, you know, even if I'm going to give up my coffee, is it really that hard? I mean, unless I'm just an addict, you know what I mean? It's really, is it that hard? It's not that hard. You know, so it's like, if we really want a meaningful fast with the Lord, we probably should just get into the scriptures and read some areas of scripture that talk about the types of fasts that people were doing, like Daniel, you know, where um, he's abstaining from meat and only eating vegetables. So he see, he was able to eat. It's really about getting ourselves in a posture that everything we need is coming from the Lord. You know, Jesus said, I have a type of food that you know nothing about. Mm. And it's the manna from heaven. He's the bread from heaven. So he, you know, it's literally trusting that God is going to sustain me. He's going to sustain me through this. And I'm going to put my focus on him while my body is crying out for something that it usually gets. It's not going to get it. And so anytime that I have those hunger pains or thirst or whatever those things might be, that I'm just going to really focus on Jesus and, and, um, set my heart on him, whatever that may be to see, have him sustain us, you know, in him, it, we live, breathe and have our being. And he's the one that made us and knit us together. So he can clearly sustain us. Jesus is saying in Matthew six, and when you fast, he didn't say if we did. So obviously we are supposed to be doing it. So we need to learn about this. He says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's their only reward they're ever going to get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. And so I wanted to point this out because I feel like we are in a day where we have we hear in the church of a lot of corporate fasting. There's the Daniel fast. There's all kinds of fasting going on in the church. Not, and I don't want to say that that's bad, but I just have, you know, I come to this word and I see that Jesus said though, don't be like a hypocrite who has to let everybody know that they're doing this. You know, not to say that we can't participate in corporate fast, but we really don't. It looks to me like we shouldn't even be telling everybody that we've decided to participate. It's between you and the Lord in private. Everybody doesn't need to know what you're doing, you know, so that your reward is with him, your father who sees. I don't know. I just feel like there's some of these things. Pastor Sylvia and I were having a conversation the other day. You know, there's so much in the scriptures that's for us that we are not unlocking because we're not looking into the keys that unlock it. You know, it's like there's these promises, but then there's these conditions that say, here's this, if this, then this, just like the scripture you're just sharing with us. I appreciate what you brought out tonight. If my people will humble themselves, I've never connected humbling myself with fasting. 
And so I, I see there's a real depth there. And I see the scripture you pointed out with David that he says that he humbled himself by fasting. So I think this is a really good word for us tonight. I just want to tell you, I appreciate it. You bringing it. I don't know if anybody else has comments. Thanks, Krista. Um, I, I did want to say just in response <clears throat> um, that remember I, I said, um, you know, you're talking about what, what Jesus, how Jesus put it. Um, I, I, I didn't want to ask anyone if they felt led uh, to, to fast. That's why I said it's, it was really just food for thought for the individual to consider what the Lord might be saying to them, because it is a private, it's a private thing. Um, now, you, you certainly can, can go into an agreement with uh, someone to, to fast, but you're, you're right. There, there, are, there are things that we need to consider in terms of how the scripture guides us um, with respect to these things. And then secondly, um, you were talking about it, it should be something, you know, physical, so, so to speak, that you feel. Uh, the other phrase that's relevant here scripturally is uh, in, in Leviticus, when God introduces uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, he says that it is a day in which you are to afflict your souls. There's another phrase, afflict your soul, which which is really a reference to fasting, that that you're giving up something physically, that you feel it, that it matters. Uh, so yes, there's absolutely an element uh, to that. So yeah, may, maybe we'll we'll discuss Chris at some point um, what we can do in terms of uh, maybe maybe putting putting together a a more in depth teaching uh, on on this particular topic. Amen. Thank you again. Amen, Sister Krista. You made a, a sweet statement that I like. That we see in the uh, competing language, the if and then uh, conditions. You know. If you meet this condition, then you get this result. So I think that is something we should really, really, really pay attention to. God makes a lot of promises to all Christians, to all his children. But um, I think what we really need to pay attention to is the conditions. If and then. Amen. <laughs> and I would just like to say in reference to uh, what Krista said and that Jesus said when. You know, so there is an expectation, I would even say a requirement that is to be a part of our lifestyle as Christians when you fast, when you pray, and when you give. Those are the three things he says. It's a when. He doesn't say if or, you know, maybe you'll get around to it in some century, but when, when, when. So it really is following and uh, what God is saying and you know, it goes right along with deny yourself, <laughs> deny yourself, deny yourself. And fasting does, you know, I know people say, well, I'm going to fast TV, but it is denying yourself of a substance of food, of drink, modeling what was done in and through scripture. It's coming back to the word of God. We do a lot of things that will help us to justify and continue our fleshly ways, but really is about afflicting yourself and dying to self so that you can get to that place where, you know, you really do connect 
with the Lord and you're able to hear him. I just know that sometimes, um, you know, the greatest thing that I can do is to fast because I hear God clearly. There are times I cannot because I'm too busy chewing. I'm just saying, that's just me. You know, I can hear myself as I'm chewing and eating. But when you abstain from that, then it brings you into a greater depth and a clarity. I also just want to say there are times when God required them corporately to abstain. And you gave that example, the day of atonement. So again, uh, corporate fast, we can also find example of that. It's just the boasting, not telling everybody and all of that stuff and looking like you're on a fast so people can ask you, oh, what's going on? You know, oh, it looks so pitiful. It looks so sad. You know, no, it is something that's between you and the Lord, you know? And in strengthening and encouraging one another, it also helps us to have that accountability when we can share it. Uh, I'm not talking about magnitudes of folks, but I'm talking about in, uh, you know, that accountability one to another and helping one another to bear that burden because fasting, if done right, is real and it's a struggle. Until the Holy Spirit kicks in and the appetite decreases. Yeah, I just want to say as well, you know, we see like the mo what the motivation of the heart he's describing here. He's saying, don't do it so people will admire you for fasting. So again, God knows our heart. You know, if that's not the motivation of our heart, if our heart is pure, even in our sharing, like you said, because we might need accountability because we want to share um, to encourage another brother or sister, God knows our heart, as long as we're not prideful in what we're doing, as if we're trying to show how godly that we're, we are among, you know, the Christian community. Um, that's not what we're after. We're not after the accolades for from our brethren. We're only trying to please the Lord. I'd like to say something about fasting. I have fasted um, for the Lord uh, for a while. When I had COVID, that was an ultimate, you know, wow, that, that was tough. And before COVID, my fasts were different. When I had COVID, it, it, it attacked my heart in a way. Um, I had it pretty bad. I was pretty sick for a month and I was literally crawling around the house and my, I had some heart issues. Um, but the Lord brought me out of that. And what I've found, and the only reason I say this is just to ask for some wisdom or any, I'm not sure what to do. Cause I always try to press through it, but I had just finished a fast recently and I really felt my heart being attacked kind of scared me, but I continued on with it. So I, I'm, I get a little worried. So I don't know if anybody has any advice on that because I do I don't like to fasting is very hard and, but I do it for the Lord and for my prayer life. Um, but it seems my heart gets attacked and I don't know what to do about that, but I do try to press through. But the, the first thing that I would say is, I mean, there, there's certainly nothing wrong with um, talking to your doctor about um, the fact that you fast as part of your spiritual life. Um, and, and, and see what, what they say in response. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it, it's, for instance, people that have diabetes, like 
it's sometimes harder for them to fast because of the, um, you know, the, the sugar levels and how food is needed and that kind of thing. Um, so you, you, you can still be smart about how you approach it. And so I, I think that just my initial response would be, there's nothing wrong with talking to your physician about it. Um, I, I've done that with my doctor before um, and said, you know, hey, sometimes I'll, I'll go several days without, without eating um, as part of a spiritual discipline. Uh, so, so I think you can get some feedback there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, physically, if it's, if it's causing you to feel that way, uh, then, you know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with seeking that, that, that medical attention and, and continue just to seek the Lord uh, for how the Lord would, would, would have you go about that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I want to jump in there and say, I agree with wholeheartedly what um, Bernie is saying, consult your doctor, but I also know the power of the fast because of being a missionary in Uganda and every year they do water only fast. And I know the first time I did it, I was going to die. Amen. But God does strengthen because fasting is about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting stand in the presence of God. And in his presence, God will help you to make it through. Amen. Many people fast, but they don't. And I'm not talking about you, Chantel, or anybody here. Just give an example. And what I tell people, if you fast and don't pray, you're on a diet. It must be fasting, praying, and staying in the presence of God. And initially, yes, because your body is going through various changes and all of that. But the other beneficial things is literally our cells, uh, you know, destroy the old ones, new ones are, are regenerated, all of those things. So a protracted fast is, you know, most people say that is unheard of. I mean, my my doctor, my daughter is in a um, nurse practitioner. She was convinced, mom, you're going to die. You cannot do this. But you know, God is greater and he enables you to be able to do it. So it really is hearing from God and doing those things that are necessary. There are books that have been written where people's Hearts have been healed, cancer, all of those kinds of things. God does not call us to do something to destroy us, but he calls us so that in him, let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. And there are, there are time frames. So, you know, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, that's a one-day fast. Um, we see the Esther fast was three days. Um, there's a, another fast I know that was seven. The Daniel fast was 21, but there was food involved, uh, just certain types of Moses food. was 40. Yeah, more Moses and Jesus were 40. No so, water. Yeah, so so th I think the scripture can can definitely uh, illuminate uh, our path in terms of um, mm. hearing God's voice and knowing uh, how to go about a particular fast uh, for a particular need or season. Amen. So look, I'm going to um, take the liberty of... Uh, cutting off uh, the discussion now and uh, let's let's go to to closing in prayer uh, and uh, Krista as as the person who God has led to make this thing happen and you you being used by God to have this community of faith to gather together uh, each week and and study his, his word uh, please bless us tonight as we go on our way
Amen. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for just leading us tonight, Lord. I thank you for the questions. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit coming forth from your servants as some have prayed tonight in our fellowship. I thank you for bringing truth um, where we've had questions. I thank you that you're going to continue to lead us in the truth. Um, even if there are questions that we continue to wrestle with, you are our source. You are the one we look to for the answers, Lord. You are our everything, Father. We look to you and no other. You are the King. You are the Lord. You are our creator. And we are sustained in and through you. And so we worship and adore you, Lord. I so appreciate my brothers and sisters, Father, that you've brought us together to strengthen and equip. Your word says that iron sharpens iron. And Lord, I've been sharpened tonight. And I've just um, been encouraged as well as I've just heard such beautiful testimonies and beautiful evidence of your spirit flowing through one another. I just thank you, Lord. We just lift your name on high. Father, I pray for blessing and protection and favor over all of those who have come tonight, Lord, and those who can't be with us but are normally with us, Lord. We pray, Father, for uh, your face to shine upon each one, Lord, for favor and blessing and protection from the enemy. And Lord, that you would help us to continue to abide. You are so good to us leading us in truth and guiding us along the way. Father, you are directing our steps and we are grateful, Father. I just pray um, that you would fill our hearts with joy and give us peaceful sleep, Lord, because we know that your word has promised it, that you give your beloved sweet sleep. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises that we are standing upon, Lord. We're trusting in your word. Your word has told us that every word of God will prove true. We believe it, Lord. We want to be sons and daughters of the faith, just like Abraham, Father. He is our father in the faith. And you said that he was counted righteous because he believed everything that you said. He just believed what you told him. No evidence, just believing it. He didn't even get to experience and see the promise fulfilled. But Father, he continued to believe even in his passing into the kingdom, Father. So we thank you that you're um, allowing us to also walk in the same faith, Lord. And we just ask to be strengthened in it by the power of your spirit, enabling us to keep your word, Father, as we hide it in our hearts, enabling us, Father, not to sin against you as you are producing a greater fear of you, Lord, but such a healthy fear because you are a good father, but you are our God. You are our God. And so we exalt your name because it is high and lifted up above every other name. And we thank you for this time together in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our soon coming King. Amen. And I do want to encourage everyone that just as Pastor Sylvia pointed out, it wasn't just when you fast, but also when you pray. So tomorrow is our day of prayer on Tour of Truth. And if you're able, we'll have four opportunities to pray at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, as well as 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. They're just one hour um, opportunities on the website. You can find a little button that says prayer during those times, and you'll click in and join our prayer meeting. We'd love to have you. There's four different areas of prayer that we focus on. If you haven't already seen what we've got listed on the website, we focus on Israel first thing in the morning. So if you want to intercede for Israel, it's such an important thing for us to do. You know, the Lord says that 
seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all that we need is going to be added unto us. All these things will be added unto you, he said. So that that would be one of the ways that we can seek first the kingdom of heaven by praying into what his word has told us, what the prophets have decreed and declared would come to pass. We're just agreeing uh, with his word in the morning. And then again, at 12 noon, we'll be in prayer as the spirit leads. Um, can come in to pray basically for anything as the spirit leads. Seven o'clock is family, focus, friends, um, and so forth. And 11 o'clock is another time of uh, intercession with um, more of a spiritual warfare kind of prayer, but also being led by the spirit through the word of the Lord. Pastor Sylvia will be leading. Glory be unto God. We'll see you all next Monday if we don't catch you tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Be blessed. Good night. Good night. Good night.